All right, welcome everybody to another edition of Bottom of the Bill. We got our boy Dave McSweeney on today. Thanks for being here, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, really, really happy you guys invited me on. Absolutely, man. You, uh, are you? Uh, he's got to be our farthest guest, right? Because you live in Atlanta now. I'm in Atlanta now, so am I? Did I? Did I travel the farthest? You to did be by far. At the bottom of the bill. <laughs> yes. Yes. <You> did. <laughs> yes. I brought thousands of dollars of gear yeah. all the way to be at the bottom of the bill. That's it's right. Something we've done for many years now. Yeah. <laughs> Just can't seem to get out of it. Um, all right. Well, cheers, guys. Yeah, before we get cheers. started. Yes. All right, so just want to announce a few shows and gigs and stuff we got going on. Um, Side Hustle, December 3rd at Orange Blossom Review. I know it sounds funny, but those tickets are selling pretty quickly. I'm sure they are. It's just it's so funny. Congrats on that gig. That's, that's my birthday. Oh, it so, is? Uh, really? Yeah, you want to come down? Uh, I actually just bought Kurungbin tickets. Oh, nice. Uh, in Atlanta. Um, there's a new venue in Atlanta called The Eastern uh, that uh, Zero Mile Productions runs. They do Terminal West and... Um, Friday Playhouse and a bunch of other places. Yeah. But they just opened a big one uh, on my part of town. My uh, guitarist Dan Cox and Hive Mind uh, actually is the GM over uh, with Zero Mile. Oh hell yeah! Um, so yeah, and uh, they announced their fall lineup today. And Krungbin is on my birthday, so That's I got dope. tickets. Who was telling me about that band? Was it you? Somebody else was Probably. telling me like you haven't listened to them before. I still haven't listened to them yet. Oh, oh yeah, I, I keep know, forgetting it about took, it. It took me a while. To, Why? I don't remember. I'm never gonna remember that name, Krungbin. It's even harder to spell. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the reasons that uh, that I came across them and so like they were on my thing is because Trey Anastasio loved like gave was given them. I think he played with them at lock in and yeah. he like loved them from the start. So all of my fish friends were like, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. I'm like, all right. And also right. Krasno has been like yeah. fanboying on him too, yeah. which got him a huge following. And they've got a, they've got a cute, uh, cute bassist. She, uh, it's her band. Yeah. She, yeah. yeah and she, uh, she rocks some heels and just like, just plays these like, just, Nice, simple, funky, good little rudiment bass lines. Right. She's been playing for it, like yeah. two years, also like two or three years. Yeah. She's been hardly what? playing for any time at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She she just jumps on and plays that just good solid solid rudiment bass. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then um, their guitarist is a uh, he's a bit esoteric and um, he's amazing though. I yeah, mean, he yeah, does what dude, he does really well. Shreds. Yeah, he does. Yes. He reminds me of like a John Frusciante, mm-hmm. kind of in the sense where he's very melodic and his style. I mean, I don't know what else he can do. You know, I've only heard him in that context, but he, what, what, what he does in that context, I don't think would work in any other context other than that context. You get, but it works so well in that context. Yes. yes. Like, like John Frusciante, again, like what he does wouldn't really work outside of the Chili Peppers. Unless it's like his own project, right? And it really wouldn't work with the the Chili Peppers stuff that uh, Navarro was playing, right? Like, you know that stuff was different. So totally, yeah. Prashante's got a very very unique style. Um, Krungbin has that is, is similar to that aspect. Yeah, yes. Krumbin. Krumbin. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm probably like totally butchering. I don't know how to say it. Right. Krumbin. I think it's Krungbin. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got it. <laughs> You right, Bill? Yeah. Bill I, got his second shot today. No, yeah, yesterday. Billy got yesterday. Billy got dosed. Yeah. Billy got dosed yesterday with the uh, Moderna or Pfizer? Pfizer. And oh, yesterday okay. I was feeling great. Today I feel like a pile of shit. That's yeah. how I, I um, I'm three weeks fully vaxxed now, yeah. and I also had the Pfizer vaccine. Um, Did it put you out also? Um, I was I was fatigued the second day. Yeah. Second day, um, I was just like kind of just you know I've had worse hangovers. Yeah. But. 
I was still just kind of just felt off for about a day. Yeah. And then the ne- the day after that, I was fine. I went back to work, didn't have any issues. But it was good that I took off the day after, which Billy did not. No, I did, I did a four. I, I worked at 9 a.m., did a four-hour rehearsal, and then came back to work. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm doing a podcast. Now we're doing a podcast. Now we're doing a podcast. So. So Billy, Great life decision. Billy <laughs> is a trooper. Yeah. yeah. I guess, man. But, yeah, I, I, I don't really feel, like, sick. I just had, I had a fever, and I woke up at 4 in the morning, and I was just like, hey, that's just how I'm going to feel today. And yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't even have symptoms quite like that. I yeah. felt a little um, – it took about 12 hours, and I started feeling a little weird. Yeah. Uh, and then I was just a little kind of just felt a little off. And then the whole next day, I was just kind of uh, – and then by the next evening, it kind of subsided. And I was like, okay, well – well, I've definitely had hangovers that were much worse and uh, lasted longer. And yeah. Speaking of the well. shot, uh, shout out to Jerry. The, the nurse who gave me a shot recognized me from bottom of the bill. Fuck yeah. Ah, we're so we're local celebrities, names. guys. We're, we're, we're slowly working our way up to the yeah. centered bottom of the bill. Oh, yeah. Like size 14. Size 14 Roman. Yeah. I'm into that, guys. Yeah. I'm into that. We're at like, you know. You guys, you guys might be able to get like a like a sixteen or a twenty font in there someday if you keep working oh, at I'm it. I'm not pushing it. it man. I'm not pushing it. I would say I would say fourteen is fine with me. Yeah. I'm a fourteen guy. <laughs> Billy's a Billy's a shoot for the moon and land somewhere on a mountain. I'm more of a Billy, shoot for the stars, land on the moon kind of guy. Billy, are you a Comic Sans kind of guy? No, or? I'm Times New Roman. <laughs> I'm saying shoot for the moon. Just I'm staying in the space shuttle. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm in orbit. Yeah. There's, there's a right. lot of talk about to the moon these days. Everybody's into the uh, into the Dodge coins and the, and all the, yeah. is that. Is that a saying in the crypto world? I, yes. The, the saying in the crypto world is to the moon. To and, the moon. Um, you know, I really hope that all the crypto people can find a happy home on the moon. I just want to. I just want yeah. one. <laughs> I want to be dope. I'll follow him to the moon. Why not? Fuck it. Yeah. I don't have I don't have any of those. I've never bought. I don't have any, a lot of money anymore. Yeah, that's because we're you know we're not up on our you know our future game. Well, um, it's like it's like I feel like I feel like I feel like you can you can only be. Uh, so much in the future, like you know, it's like there's certain technologies that you can that you can adopt, right? But at a certain point, it's like it's just hard to be up on all of it. And digital currency is not at my. Is this the podcast the, where we finally talk about NFTs? NFTs, where what? none of us actually know about what yeah, the yeah. actually are. Um, I will I will say this about the future. Um, I um, I've been listening, um, coming back around and listening to more Alan Watts again. And okay. really, uh, the future doesn't exist. There is here and now right now is what it's very buddhist no yes yeah i mean he's he's a big fan of of the uh of buddhism in general and uh just the the teachings um but yes i've been listening to alan watts and he's been uh really embarking on uh is he still a big nfts guy (laughs) he's still alive or he passed on no i don't know he's no he would no. I don't know. We could uh, we could probably Google we, that. We, Jamie, we, look that up. Yeah, yeah, look it up. Mm. All right. All right. F- well, okay. Yes, Alan Watts <laughs> has definitely passed away. I could Google that right now, but we're not going to. Um, but yeah, do you know what, do you know what NFTs are? I do know what uh, non 
uh, fungible tokens. I didn't know what the word fungible yes, was. I, uh, Nobody I, knows what it means. Look it up. And it's just like uh, something that's not fungible. It's like that gives me no information. I, I went to an NFT, a gallery uh, thing for NFTs. Um, yeah. Let me see if I can pull any of these up for you. Wait, like an, an, a real gallery or is like it's online because that's what NFTs are, no, it's right? A real, it's a real gallery. They have them like in different, like like L- there's one in LA also so in New York. There's some of the NFTs. Whoa! Let me see. Whoa! That's yeah, dope. Super cool. Yeah. Super <laughs> super that's cool. Really cool. If you're uh, um, for those who can't see, uh, I'm it's sorry. pretty dope. <laughs> it's pretty dope. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, do you guys want to see? I mean, I can go yeah, show it to you. Yeah, Why not? Yeah, see yeah, if we can, let's see if we can see if it yeah, translates. Hopefully this. Uh, hopefully we don't get in trouble with YouTube. Uh, a little bit closer. It's, it's not focusing for... Well, <laughs> you guys get the point. It was pretty dope. I, yeah, it's basically Darth Vader <laughs> getting cut and open. Uh, uh, yeah, and there were... I mean, it was a whole room full of um, just really, really cool different uh, digital moving art. Right. And um, some of these things were... I mean, there's some artists who are making... A lot. Uh, I mean, yeah. doing very well. Um, Grammatic release. Grammatic made like over a million dollars off his what? NFT for his release. Um, a lot of DJs for 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 audio, not for for audio, for and audio visual. and visual so stuff. Like the album art and all that stuff comes on it. There's like certain things you can get only with the NFT. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, Kings of Leon just released their record. They're like the first band to release a record uh, on NFT or with an NFT, however mm-hmm. it works. Yeah, as as an NFT, basically. Yeah, as an NFT. Yeah. So, um, it's really yeah. It's it's it makes the buyer part of like, you know, have part ownership, or they only release so many things. Like um, a lot of this art that was in the gallery, there was like fifty of them per piece available. Right. Yeah. So that mall, like, um, you know, you can buy into it, um, and then after you know after it's gone i mean nobody else can you know it's part of it's something that you and the kind of the block to. the blockchain that is with it makes it uh on like there's no way that anybody could copy it yes so like that's correct. how you can tell that it's original but still it's just like art or anything that doesn't really have like a a, the, a purpose the, it's like <laughs> yeah the controversy surrounding the nfts right now um is the power consumption yeah, yeah. and i, yeah. I was watching huge, about that yeah. too and it's like really uh uh selfish basically <laughs> well I basically mean, yeah but well and then if you, could, if you could describe a form of art that's not selfish then no i mean like it does art doesn't like energy. destroy the environment you know yes I mean? the carbon footprint on yeah. the nfts apparently is is um quite massive yeah. i mean at some point in the future which apparently doesn't exist it's yeah. only, there's only it's now it's only now yeah. but yes uh, at some point in the future i think we're gonna see something like a carbon tax um i think that's probably coming at some point because Things like this where, you, you know, you know, they're going to be like, hey, you're like you're doing a lot more damage, damage or yes. Yeah, it's like the art itself is like per, there's some good that comes from it. Obviously, people enjoy it or whatever. But I mean, it can't outweigh the negative impact that's having by consuming all that energy. All the power. The yeah, yeah, yes. it's, it's so, awful. So I've um, the concept's great, though. I've read into, you know, I, and I've read into it and I kind of get it. Um, I, was, I still it. just feel like an outsider to yeah. it. I actually had my uh, my eighth grade teacher, uh, Mr. Wigton, uh, Michael Wigton, amazing, amazing uh, person, man, coach, teacher. Uh, but anyway, he hit me up and uh, 
was like, hey, you're an artist. Like, hey, do you know about these NFTs? My company, you know, he's not a teacher anymore, but like, he's like, this company I'm working with, da, 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 and was getting me over this information and was like, hey, do you want to do some of these with you? And so, I mean, yes, I, I do. I want to be part of it at some yeah, point. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> I've definitely been toying around with the idea of doing, of releasing a few, like, some, like at least like a couple with our album. I don't know, again, yeah. how it works, but I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll give you. It doesn't hurt I, to have it out there, you know? Yeah. I mean, all it takes is a little research too. Yeah. If you, if you really want to do something, I mean, you're gonna you'll figure it out. If there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's all the same. It's just like regular art, though. I was just trying to say that, like, it's it, it's proof that this is an original uh, copy. Yes. That's or like how the for an is. album, it's like this is the first pressing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, no. I have like a, a couple of first pressing records, and uh, I mean, you can get the exact same record probably with a better like uh, audio quality and everything <laughs> like that. But the fact that it is the, the original first pressing, one, yeah. It's worth yeah. way, more. way more. Right. Yeah. But well, because the original pressing, there's only so many of those exactly. anyway. Right. There's a yeah. So yeah, that that's probably the best analogy that I've heard for it. No, that's like, what I mean exactly yeah. what it is because it's all yeah. everything's digital now. Right. You can't you can't hold it in your hand. You can't uh, fucking uh, sell it, really. Once you download a copy. Right. So these you can. Right. And that's what I was trying. I have a very bad. Uh, uh, I have an argument about software if you can if you buy software if you buy anything else on the planet you can resell it but you can't resell software, software yeah. yeah and it's yeah. just like and they expect you to pay like six hundred dollars for it like fuck you well, like I mean, I, if I, and then i'm like hey i want to get new software i'm gonna sell this like can't do and every that. time well, you need to upgrade or whatever yeah. they're like yep a little more money yeah well yeah i mean it's a different thing with software though because if you're gonna sell it it has to be duplicated but what do they do NF- what if they, exactly what if they do nft softwares and it can only be used once well that probably will happen at some point there yeah. you go Problem solved. I think NFTs are going to solve everything. You just look at I, Billy. Billy's all, figuring out the next wave after <laughs> NFTs already. Right. Now. It's all. It's all just going to fucking uh, uh, just just destroy the planet. But I mean, like nothing lasts forever, right? That's true. I know I'm not. <laughs> I think they say that nothing gold can stay. Yeah, um, that's true. All right, well, let's get into it. This has been a fun uh, thing. This, is, this tangent has been amazing. I yeah. hope you guys are enjoying this. Um, so let's t- tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Um, I am a, I am a bassist. I started um, playing the bass when I was a teenager. I uh, actually, my first musical endeavor, I was four years old and started on the violin. Okay. Um, and then when I was around nine, I picked up guitar and... Um, played guitar for about a year, took some lessons, and then uh, just wasn't as into it, and then around eighth grade, uh, landed on bass, and um, just felt a connection with the instrument. It was actually, uh, I was in fifth grade on a school field trip and brought and bought uh, Rancid's and Out Come the Wolves, nice. and there is a bass solo on the very first song of that album called Maxwell Murder, and uh, it's a little it's like a 55 second song or something or a minute song. And there's like a little 10 second bass solo near the end. And right after, I mean, I was like 10, 11 years old and I was like, I mean, guitar is cool, but I want to do that. Yeah. That sounds I mean, that's cool. And so, yeah, that kind of started, uh, you know, it all started in fifth grade, just kind of like wanting to play the bass. And then, um, you know, I started learning some little reggae, a little, uh, I think stir it up was the first bass line I actually learned nice. from, on the bass guitar. Um, it's a good one. And then um, in high school, I uh, met Jason Honeycutt, and uh, we were both into punk rock. And um, we 
We had a couple different punk bands throughout high school. He still loves punk. That's why he was blasting. Oh, ah, we yeah. Jason loves some punk rock. I, like, I right. like some, like, there's a few punk bands that I still like from my youth, but I wouldn't, like, if you put on some, like, brand new punk band or something, it was like, you into this? And I'd be like, eh, no. I can get into <laughs> the Misfits. You know, I like the Misfits, and it's, it's a little bit more melodic, you know, like, even, like, early Green Day, which is not really, it's more like pop punk in the 90s, you know? Yeah. I liked some of that stuff. Once you get into, like, more of the hardcore underground punk scene. Dead That's Kennedys the stuff that are I, the best. They're my favorite. Dead Kennedys are good, but again, it's like the more melodic kind of stuff. Yeah, there's there's like a lot of like heavier kind of underground. I just like like the whole movement of punk was about like not being mainstream. So the punk bands that never became that, like that stuff's just a little bit harder for me to listen to. Not that there's not a place for it or that it's not good. I just, for well, me. What it was, yeah, the punk scene when it was born out of in the, in the 70s and especially when it was thriving in the 80s. I mean, it was a... Uh, it was it was hardcore, man. Yeah, I mean those guys used to beat the shit out of each other. This and they, is like you know, early U two. U two was like that, man. U two like, was the, yeah, yeah, like, the early early stuff. Like I mean the police, early. the police yeah. were like punk. Their first album or their their real real early stuff was was more in the punk rock thing. And um, I yeah, didn't know that either. So, um, but yes, after after my punk rock years, um, especially later in high school, did you have a punk rock band with Jason? I had multiple punk rock bands with Jasons. Uh, we uh. We had Switch 26, because, you know, like, word yeah. and numbers. You gotta have the number was, band. Uh, that's, a, that's a punk band right there. <laughs> what, what, why, why was it Switch 26? <laughs> Does it sound good? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's Switch 26, babe. That like just, that. Yeah, that rolls off the tongue. And then we had Needing Reasons. My father used to call us Needing Lessons. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good, man. Yeah. Um, and then we had a band called Defeating Harrison. Oh, really? And now we have a song in Greenhouse Lounge um, that it was a bass riff. I wrote that original uh, intro on that song. Uh, I think I originally wrote that in high school. That sounds, um, no, not saying that you're old, but I didn't know that song with this at all. Yeah, so that bass riff, the intro of that song, I think I wrote, yeah, I wrote that like junior, senior year in high school. And, um, I mean, it's been modified a little since then, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah. And then we took, that was the name of the band. And then, um, in greenhouse, like I kind of just named the, the track, the song when I was writing it, just a kind of homage to our, to our early band and to and that, our, you and know. you told me that's about the, the duel they had, right? He, he the what now? Whoa. Oh, defeating hairs. Yeah. The, uh, well, the uh, the name in high school, Jason and I just thought it was a cool like history fact. Grover Cleveland was uh, the only president to serve two non consecutive terms. Yeah, and he beat um, Harrison. Who was that? Harrison. <laughs> yes. Well, why was it Benjamin Harrison, William Henry, or something? I you know uh, I, 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 I'm messing my presidents up. My senior teacher in history would not be happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Grover Cleveland was the only uh, president to serve two non-consecutive terms, and he defeated Harrison. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll go with that. This is why we we'll play music, <laughs> guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, I mean, my my, uh, my memory used to be a little sharper, but, um, you know, I had a I had some fun years, you know, and, um, you know, can't really keep every memory up there. You know, some of the, some of the boring ones just get shoved out yeah. by the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what was it like coming up in the Jack scene? Uh, you, obviously, you were doing it from a younger age. Like you, you weren't yeah. like yeah, we you pl- weren't going to jams and stuff probably. As no, much. no, no. We were doing um, we were doing little uh, bar gigs or not really bar gigs, but I mean there was a bar and wherever we were playing, wherever like 
whatever little punk rock shows we could get or get on to. I think we did some Battle of the Bands. We did a lot of house parties. Yeah. And then um, I forget what that venue was called, but we played it a couple times. And it was, you know, one of those rooms where kids get to get started and stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. Let you, you know. Um, it was a uh, Jacksonville was like kind of all about like the punk and hardcore scene. Yeah. Um, especially back in the day, like the the funk and the jazz. I'm sure it was here, but I I think it was a much more. It, it was a you know a bunch of serious players and older folks. I mean, no, none of the like that. Even the the younger kids today are into some more kind of funky and dancey stuff. And yeah. Jacks in the '90s. I mean, it was it was all punk rock top 40 jacks likes top 40 a lot yeah. uh yeah <laughs> and then um i mean hip-hop rap and i mean you remember the 90s it was still like you know some some people that that rap rock thing was definitely like limp taking biscuit, off limp biscuit limp biscuit we you know jacks probably Royalty. the greatest band from jacks you know yellow card too right uh, shine card? down how can you how can you how can you talk about jacksonville without shine down well yellow card and inspection 12 i used to work with some of the guys from inspection 12 when i my, my first job at the saint john's movie theater that was over off roosevelt um and i had yeah pete mosley was uh managing at one point and then dan mcclintock uh was um he worked up there doing like projection stuff for the movies, uh, which was a super easy job. It was like, you got to be up there by yourself, just chilling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those guys, um, Jordan McDowell from Hat Trick um, worked up there too. And so I kind of looked up to some of those guys because they were playing big shows all over town. I mean, Inspection 12 um, really was about to take off and they had something very tragic happen. They lost their drummer right before their uh, debut album um, on their label came out. And so... Um, Pete actually went off and joined Yellow Card, uh, played bass for Yellow Card for a while and did some world tours with them. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, Jack's coming up. Jason and I were really, I mean, we were into the punk rock thing. Um, and uh, that was what was cool. That was the scene and everything. And then um, it was around junior or senior year. I just started uh, kind of getting out because my bass teacher, uh, Pete Winders, um, Pete played with Donovan Frankenrider for a while. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. And uh, Pete is a, uh, an amazing musician. He's a guitarist, but um, he was also a talented bassist, too. And so he was my guitar teacher. And then um, when I started playing bass, we hit Pete back up, and Pete started teaching me bass, too. So by uh, junior and senior year, he was turning me on to uh, a lot of Victor Wooten stuff, Bale Fleck of the Fleck Tones, um, Jaco Pistorius, and just a lot of, you know, George Porter Jr., just a lot of different funk and kind of jazzy stuff. So I would, uh, our lessons would start with us kind of going over whatever I did last week with him. And then he would kind of, he would show me some funk. And then at the end of the lesson, I'd, you know, play a little punk rock song for, for, uh, for Pete to, uh, and then he would just tab it out for me. I'd be like, I really want to learn this riff. And he'd be like, okay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> teach it to me real quick. Like, but after I, I mean, but, uh, those lessons in high school where he was just turning me on to um, to the funk and to, to, you know, some of these great players are what really helped me dive further into the bass because it got me it, – I wanted to listen to more of this jam stuff. And then I started listening to, you know, the uh, the fish from Vermont. Um, and I uh, started listening to a little string cheese, a little widespread panic. And, um, I mean, I tried to give them all, like, an honest, like – 
you know, they're all jam bands. They all got to be good. But at the end of the day, I really did like the fish from Vermont. Um, so I, you know, dove deep into their catalog. Definitely, uh, they've got a pretty talented bassist. Um, and then I just started going to more jam shows. I think the very first kind of jam, jazz, funk type show I went to by myself, I was a, uh, I was a senior in high school, and it was at the Florida Theater. Uh, I had third row tickets uh, in front of Victor Wooten for Bela Fleck and the Flecktones. Nice. And it changed my life. Yeah. You know, that I just, I was like, okay. Yeah, he'll do and that too. What's crazy, <laughs> what's crazy is like that show half a lifetime ago is still today after all the shows I've seen, played, been a part of, whatever, that one, still one of the best performances I've ever seen. I mean, so, those guys are all virtuosos. Something so. happens when you see people at that level. Yeah. You know, I saw when I worked at Sam Ash uh, when I was, you know, 20, 21 years old. Um, down in Miami, Victor Wooten was coming to do a clinic there. We had like a huge yeah. stage set up or whatever. And so he was so he came in and I got to meet him, which was which for me at the time was like just such a nice guy. Yeah, super nice guy. He's such a just a like, yeah. And and he he goes up on stage and he starts talking about the metronome and, you know, and and like being he's like and like talking about if you can do it on your left hand, you should be able to do it on your right hand. So he starts doing all this shit. And then like he starts doing this thing with the metronome. He's OK. So right now you're hearing the metronome here. Right. But if I do this now, you're hearing the metronome somewhere else. And like like on the spot. It's like he starts putting the metronome in a different point. I'm just like, this guy is is on a different level. So, so playing like polyrhythms off the metronome yeah, or something. Or making, and, yeah. And making yeah. instead of us making hit like like instead of us hearing him at a different point, he was making us hear the metronome at a different point. And I was like, this is some like next level shit. And so a few years later, um the bass player that I was playing with at the time, uh, he was like, Hey, so um uh, Victor Wooten's going to be at UM. He's doing like a thing with uh, Bass Extremes. And Bass Extremes was this band that he was a part of back in like the 80s, 90s with uh, Steve Bailey, who's a, uh, a fretless six string player. Yeah, uh, Dorico Watson, who's like an amazing drummer. Uh, and then he had uh, Quinones, uh, the percussionist from Weather Report, um, oh, yeah. playing with him also. So we went to go see that in, in like the, in the concert hall at UM. And it was like just a bunch of music school kids. So nobody was making a sound. Yeah. Right. And yeah. they're just doing their thing. And I was like, it's like when you see Victor Wooten do what he's doing is you have to just like think about like what his brain looks like in that moment. Cause he's doing like shit that like nobody should be able to do. It's, and yeah. that level yeah. of musicianship on that stage where I was like, what and Dorico Watson took like a five minute drum solo in five four, and I was like, This guy is it was so like you didn't get bored for a second, yeah. it was such a musical no. solo. It wasn't just like it was like he was playing every like he was hitting the hardware, well, he's like, just everything was just so like, and oh. it's, I mean, if you're especially if you're a music lover or you're a musician yourself and you aspire to you know hopefully play half that good someday, yeah. Um, it's just captivating. Yeah. I mean, you just, you feel you're in awe of this, of this performance and what is given, what is being given to you. And it, I mean, it's a symbiotic relationship between the, the band and the fans. But when those guys are delivering at that level, they're just like, they're just putting it out there. Yeah. And like it is such a connection and such just a, a special thing to be a part of. Yeah, man. It's it, like, like it's, it's a, it's, it's really like, um, just it, you're witnessing a level a level of skill that's so rare 
yeah. and it and it's yeah. coming out in a way like what makes it so cool is that it's also being put out in a way that's really enjoyable there's a lot of musicians out there that are super technical and like crazy that i really get bored with because it's, yeah. it's too much yep. but those guys it was also musical and and like you can sing what they're playing what they're improvising in the moment and like it's just it's it's just it's amazing while also being technically super like super proficient you know they're just speaking through their instrument instead of using words they're just completely communicating their feelings and emotions and where they're at with a full connection to the instrument yeah that's what i mean i think that's what we all aspire to do as musicians is to not to stop using our brain and have that full connection and you know it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hopefully I'll get there someday. I mean, they, you know, there's points where I just kind of let it go and you know, you're comfortable with something, but what those guys can do sometimes, it just, it, it's, an, it's amazing just to, to be in the same room when they're doing Hey everyone, just want to take a second to talk to you about one of our favorite music venues, Blue Jay Listening Room. Blue Jay is a space for true music lovers where every ticket is a backstage pass. Silence your cell phones, enjoy a nice glass of wine or craft beer, and be part of an intimate experience unlike anywhere else in Jacksonville. Hear national and local artists sing their original songs and share the stories behind them in a space carefully curated for the premier show-going experience. I personally have seen some of my favorite shows here, as well as having played with some of my heroes. Not only is Blue Jay a wonderfully unique experience, it has become a staple in the Florida music scene. Mention bottom of the bill on your next visit and receive 10% off your tab. Blue Jay is located at 2457 3rd Street South, Jacksonville Beach, and be sure to check out www.bluejayjacks.com for news, ticketing, and events. Yeah, well, they're uh, comfortable with everything. That's yes, the thing, right? Yes. It's, like, it's like they have, like, there is no zone that's out of their comfort. No. It's, no, and, no, and um, what I love about, I've been watching a lot of, um, um, either podcast or just videos of Victor just talking or just I, I, I tuned in some Berkeley um, kind of webinars and it's just, you know, it'll be a bunch of different bases. You'll have like uh, uh, Sklar Lee and, you know, Steve Bailey and Victor Wooten and I think Mike Gordon was on there. There was I've, I've watched, tuned into a couple Berkeley webinars for bass and just hearing these guys talk about it and they're like, we're not going to talk about like actual playing. We're going to like you know, bass and music is life. Like every day, just why, you know, how you get up, how you, you know, how you interpret this thing. And he's like, there's music and rhythms going on on the street corners. Everywhere. The, everywhere. Like if you just tap in and kind of tune into it. Yeah. So I, I it, those guys just kind of hearing those guys, all their discussion and like how their approach and just all of that. I mean, I'll, I'll go on real long walks in Atlanta. Um, I'll, I live in, um, in an old neighborhood called Grant Park. It's really close to downtown. Um, and so I will walk through the park and then walk up through this um, really, really old cemetery in Atlanta. It's called Oakland Cemetery. Really beautiful place if you're ever up there and want to see some cool stuff. Um, and I'll just listen to these guys and just their conversations. And it's it's so much. Sometimes it helps me like a, take a, to take a break from actually listening to music and just getting in different headspace and be like, oh, okay, I see you now. Like, well, they've really boiled it down to a yeah. philosophy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's really cool how 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 they've just they've taken. I mean, guys before them were, were talking about the same thing too. Where it's it's really like you, if you just kind of look at it, it's like like improvising is is 
what life is all about. You know, it's yeah. kind of it's like here's what's happening in the moment, and here's how you're going to react to it in this moment. And it's cool with music how those guys have kind of taken this thing, and, and it's like. All right, well, so, so, you know, you have a tension, you have a release, and it's the same concept. It's why people, even who aren't musicians, can relate to it. Yep. Because, like, we all get to these points where it's, like, there's a huge tension in our life, and then there's, like, the re- like the release of that tension, yep. and mu- which is why it's, like, jazz and, 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 and cl- uh, you know, certain styles of classical music, and really, I mean, and, and even, like, rock that's done really well in blues, any music that's done really well has that same idea of, like, this tension and release, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, that is... It's my favorite part of the anatomy of a jam is the the tension release part. That is, it's also probably why I'm a big fan of the fish from Vermont because those guys are really good at the whole tension release thing. And it, there's a science to it. Yeah. And there's a there's a thing that when you're connecting with the audience and you're doing tension release stuff, how you're I mean you're taking your people on a ride. Yeah, and man. You're, you're all you're also kind of like in control of a whole room full of people and bringing them on these ups and downs and so what's crazy about that is i never noticed that until one day i took some mushrooms and i went to go see dark star orchestra at revolution when i was still living down south and uh i realized uh, granted they're doing dead sets right but like in a much cooler way than just covering the dead, yeah you know? totally the whole show totally totally yeah. um but i realized i was like I saw what they were doing and I watched how the crowd was reacting to it. And I was like, oh, these guys are in complete control of everything that we're doing right now. It's a, we, we have no say in the matter. Like it's, it, it was and that. That's at that moment. I was like, this is what I, this is what I want to do. I mean, I want to be the fucking jam band. (laughs) Psychedelics and uh, that helps and and good jam music kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, Uh, it it definitely helps. But but I think it made me aware of that on a level that I might not have been aware of it if I wasn't tripping. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, that's. I mean, we could we could get on uh, yeah. the subject of psychedelics if we wanted to. I think they're they're a beautiful thing. I encourage people to, um, you know, don't don't you know jump in the deep end. But um, I think psychedelics hold a lot of healing power, and I think that we're going to see in these next ten years um, a lot of different therapy and stuff is going to be. They're already using MDMA and mushrooms. They're using ketamine for depression. Yeah. Um, so, yes, these things that um, people have been, you know, when you go too far, you get really inebriated, but they're really finding that if you really hone in and do things right, they, these things are tools that can really help us. And I think that psychedelics definitely help just expand the mind to a certain, you know, level or open, open you up to seeing the world in a whole different way and being able to approach things differently than you, than you would have before. Totally. I don't like them. I don't like. I don't like. I don't. I really like psychedelics. I don't like them anymore either. Yeah, but they're not for everybody. They're not for me. I know. They're not, not for well, everybody. I don't like them anymore either. I, I actually. Maybe that's so, what it was. I don't. I can't. I. I haven't. Never done them. I don't do drugs, kids. But okay. At least like five years. At least five years. I'm just like. Mm, I don't well, want to anymore. I did some the other day because Chelsea had some, and I was just like, Ooh. and she was like, "You want to do some mushrooms?" And she caught me in a weird state of mind where I was just like, <laughs> "You know what? Fuck it." So yeah. I did some, and they weren't very like strong or anything. But I took like I don't know, like an eighth, like, like an eighth part of bellows. That should, uh, yeah, an eighth of uh, psychedelic mushrooms should. That's what I'm saying. She, that's what I'm saying. They weren't very good. But I okay. mean, like I started feeling like I, I got like a good body high, and I could kind of feel like things were kind of moving a little bit. But the headspace that it put me in was not very good because yep. I started to think about all the things that I should be doing. Yeah. And that's a problem. That, yeah. Well, that you know, but that maybe that's what you needed at that it, time. That's maybe what I was. It, maybe it needed to kind of come back around. So you're like, man, this is yeah. 
Um, you know, sometimes you just got to tread lightly and you kind of got to know, you know, yourself or where you're at. And, you know, the Grateful Dead have a song, you know, it's called Shakedown Street. And yeah. One of those lines is, like, you know, I think you took too much too fast. Yeah. And, you know, that is, um, like I said, um, I had... I, I endorse I endorse psychedelics, but I uh, also um, using common sense and then having people around who might be able to help you. And um, always less is more. You can uh, can always eat more. You can never uneat. Yeah, uh, that's that's, so, that's very true. Yeah, and just I mean tread lightly because they are they're an amazing tool, um, but they should be respected. Yeah. And, um, Respected and valued as a tool and not to be overindulged in. Totally. Um, so they, they get a bad rap from, you know, people who don't know. Yeah. I think yeah, they, or yeah, or people who don't get it either. Like they, people who've never done it before. Yeah, but yeah. they they amplify like, you know, entertainment, but they also amplify everything else in your head. Yeah. Well. So if you're having a real bad you know, yeah. week and or that's, whatever, that's, maybe don't do it. Well, that's, imp- <laughs> that's why people enjoy doing them at the concert. And then yeah. when the concert ends, they go, Oh, whoa. Yeah. So. Or even where there's a set break, that's that, 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 yeah. that, that's that, yeah. that like stop of the music is, it's very, yeah. very intense. I mean, Cause it, it's an instant having to switch your, your mind to yeah. the side or just a crowd noise or yeah. whatever, you know, that's a, that's I hard. When I was younger, I, I said that I wish that was my superpower is that I could just become sober at any time. Yeah. Like, just turn, just be like, I'm sober now. That's yeah. a cool superpower. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the, lame, the lamest one ever. But well, yeah. Steve would love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Oh, man. We love you, Steve. Yeah, we right? love you, Steve. Absolutely. Um, all right. So we could go about this all day, but let's get back to the music stuff. Yes. yes. Um, so you started, yes. you started getting into jam bands. And started, then... Yeah, yeah. Around, um, you know, into high school and into college. And yeah. um, I um, actually, my very last week of. Uh, my summer semester at UCF, I met some girl in, um, who was from Jacksonville, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm into fish. And she's like, oh, yeah, me and my friends are going next week to Atlanta. You can ride with us if you get a ticket. And, you know, um, <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, I moved back from uh, UCF and, uh, at the end of 2005, and um, Jason uh, had been jamming with these guys who owned a hydroponic shop. Um, Right off Atlantic, um, or not right off Atlantic, a little street back, um, besides the point. Anyway, uh, Jason said, hey, man, you should, you should come jam with us. I said, okay, I mean, sounds cool. And, um, yeah, we were just jamming in the back of this hydroponic shop um, and this little band room that we had made. And um, that's where Greenhouse Lounge started, in the back of a hydro store. Nice. Uh, that's you know, that's kind of how it got the name. And um, we were terrible for years. <laughs> um, and um, some of the band members would always kind of make jokes about how we're going on tour. And I always used to be like, you don't even know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, we got a little more serious of it um, with it over the years and um, started playing uh, around 2009. We started doing these uh art walk shows so once a month in jacksonville they they do an art walk downtown so we would set up on the steps of the uh public library the main public library oh yeah downtown. Over in Hemming plaza and yeah and so at first we would just have our amps and some speakers and then eventually we were bringing lights out there renting a generator and then the guys who owned the building or who were you know in there at that point were like loved us and we're like 
you could just plug your power in, bring your power cords and plug into the library. And we're like, okay, well, that's cheaper than getting rent in a generator and having gas near, you know, yeah. the whole time. Um, and so we would do those, th- those monthly little parties. And that really is how Greenhouse Lounge got kind of off the ground and like comfortable just jamming and playing. And like, cause we were out there for two or three hours or something, just, you know, um, so, and that, yeah, that really kind of helped us kind of really, really get it going. And then we started, um, you know, we were opening up for Tim Hall was putting us on at uh, Jackrabbits and Freebird and uh, Dub Conscious uh, from Athens, Georgia. Um, those guys definitely, definitely were a big inspiration to me. Um, we, uh, a lot of my friends, we really, really loved their music. Um, we became friends, good friends with the band when they would come to Florida. Or we'd go up in Georgia and see them. And then they started letting us open for them also. And so I think we used to open for the Burnin' Smyrnins and Dub Conscious when they would come through. And then we just, and then um, we were still a little more on the kind of reggae rock tip with trying to do some kind of electronic stuff, but weren't really there yet. And then um, after some changes in the band here and there, um, Brandon Wilkinson came on and he was uh, playing keys. And kind of brought more of a, a synthy. He's a good friend of mine. I, love I know, I know. I love Brandon too. Shouts to Brandon if you see this. Um, and um, we had lineup changes throughout. Jason and I um, were the one. I mean, kind of stuck it out. And then we'd um, we had Zach Weinert uh, on guitar, Brandon Wilkinson on keys, and then Ryan DeCastro on the steel pan, and uh, Jason and I as the rhythm section and. Uh, 2011 we have been kind of going playing um doing doing the opening gigs um around town for freebird and um jackrabbits and then we were playing mellow mushroom at the and jack's beach a lot we started doing that and then doing the same thing we're kind of did for art walk where we bring you know all the the rig out all the that big speakers bring turned, the lights that shit was wild we <laughs> yeah. had some like fucking ragers you turned mellow mushroom into like literally like a fucking venue yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no we uh, they and, had, yeah they had the fucking light what do you call them oh, the yeah, scaffolding no, bring, and all that yeah, shit yeah. Yeah. like bring fucking the light. fog yeah, machines we, and like then yeah. we get everybody like turn all the fucking lights off and mellow yeah, and there's yo. people still eating more like what the yeah, hell the happened yeah <laughs> and we would just be raging yeah. like we'd be playing like drum and bass and house and like people would be like I mean the servers would tell me they're like oh my god I hate working your show yeah, <laughs> they're like I like like going if I'm not working, but yeah, everybody's just rowdy. They're just dropping drinks everywhere. Like oh, we like, we would turn Mellow Mushroom out. Probably a lot of them weren't even buying drinks as they were doing other shit. It's the first time that I saw a line out into the middle of the parking lot yeah. to get into Mellow Mushroom. Wow. We were like, yeah because we would just pack that place out. So funny. And so yeah, that. that kind of got going with the beach scene, and we kind of got to be known as like. The lie, the the Jamtronica band from Jacksonville. Um, I mean, we were like trying. I mean, trying to be like Sound Tribe or the Disco Biscuits or something. I mean, we all liked them and didn't really, you know, sound completely like that, like we thought we did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, we got tighter and better, and then we did our first album up in um, Athens, Georgia, with actually. Um, some of the guys with Dub Conscious uh, ran a studio, um, and so we recorded the first album right on time up there, and uh, that was in uh, the spring of 2011. What was um, that experience like? We uh, we had been playing these songs for about two years, or like developing them, and so when we went into the studio, we tracked 
and recorded everything in like two days, two or three days or something. Wow. And then came back home and um, it got rushed on the mix and mastering process, of course, because our, our manager at the time uh, had scheduled a release party. And he was like, all right, we got this album release thing. And I was like, I mean, we learned our lesson that like, hey, you don't schedule the album release until it's you know, done. It's at, you're happy with like the full <laughs> mix and master. Sure. I mean, it's not not terrible by any means, but we could have probably taken a little more time on the on the mix down and everything. Um, but anyway, we um, did that album. It was, uh, you know, it was well received by the by the people. Um, I was at the album release show at Freebird. That was a fun show. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was. That was 10 years ago <laughs> yes yes that was a decade back Damn. um and then um so jason left the band at the end of 2011 he uh played his last great life decision jason I, look where you're at now like come on back in the band back in the band <laughs> so anyway but jason left uh the band to open uh 1904 music hall which i i really he probably did make the best decision. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's got like a coffee bar now, and yeah. he's gonna. I, apparently, he's opening a whole nother venue. Maybe that's yeah. what I hear. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> he's got another restaurant or whatever. I mean, what the what's the kid doing with Basically his life? He's owning Jacksonville. You know? Yeah, yeah just, you know, competing with himself. Yeah. Well, um, and he, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jason Honeycutt is a fucking G. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But anyway, he left in at the end of 2011, and Zach and I, um, Zach was doing more of the Ableton-based producing, um, and so we were kind of doing that template, that Big Gigantic, or the, those types of bands at that time. There was a lot of kind of Ableton Jamtronica acts going yeah, around. Yeah, Zuma was time. the biggest one for sure. Uh, I mean. I guess Papadocio is still Papadocio too, <laughs> but the, I, but Papadocio a has a drummer though, right? Well, so did, so did all of us had drummers. No, that's all what of I'm us basically did the Ableton thing. Yeah. So we had a, we um, after Jason left, um, we had uh, a few different drummers throughout okay. the years. So that was kind of a revolving door with Greenhouse for the drummer selection, but we were just doing track based material for the most part. So um, super tight. Super hard hitting, but there's a bit of a ceiling when you're doing track based material. I mean, as far as if you want to improv or yeah. trying to lengthen things out, unless you're playing off loops, um, it just gets difficult. So there's there's a lot of, you know, reward in the fact of how tight and how clean everything sounds. But then um, if you're into, you know, jamming, improv and jamming, yeah, yeah there, really there's kind of a ceiling to it. So, yeah. um, we um we pretty much toured around for another probably three or four years without Jason. We had John Wilkes from the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus uh, drum for us. John was a uh, a very energetic drummer, very very talented musician. Um, he liked to uh, he liked to crush it. Yeah. Um, sometimes it was better than others. Sometimes I was like, man, I, I've got tinnitus in my ear already. It's halfway through the show, and other times I'm like. Wow, this kid is just amazing. So it would, uh, yeah, it was kind of like they were just back and forth times. Um, and we were, we were on different levels on uh, as far as like what we were into musically as much. I remember we did a run all the way up north to Boston with John. And I think we had the Justin Timberlake album. Um, on repeat, oh like, uh, like whole tour. So, I as mean, long as I got my suit and tie. And <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, he showed us a few things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, and then we had Scotty Zwang in the bands. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you know Scotty. Yeah, Scotty is an amazing drummer. Uh, Scotty was uh, from New York. He plays with the band Ghostlight now um, with uh, Tommy Hamilton. Um, uh, Scotty played in Dopapod for Dope a while. Pod, yeah, after um, Fro left, yeah. Wait, yeah, when Fro had his hiatus, um, Scotty took over for Dopapod. He actually left Greenhouse and then went over to Dopapod, which was definitely the right decision. I mean, boss moves. I was like, I wish some other big band would pick me up. Yeah. <laughs> right. So anyway, um, yeah, Scotty left, went to Dopapod. But yeah, Scotty played for about a year uh, with us, or just under a year. Um, Amazing, amazing, amazing drummer, amazing human being. Scotty Zwang is just a beautiful human. Um, and then uh, I think John came, or we had uh, Ray Feltz also. Ray played right before John, actually, for a short period in, in the band. And then he left, and so we had Ray back in. And then I think might have left again. And then John Wilkes just kind of back on. Jason came back for a few shows here and there really? to kind of, yeah, to help us like get through some stuff when we were, you know, revolving our drummers around. Yeah, man. Um, and so it was just always uh, pretty much me and Zach, or Zach and I, um, Zach running the tracks and the material and, um, you know, whichever drummer we had with us, whatever year it was. Um, and I'm sure for a while there in those some of those later years, I was um, I was imbibing a little much um, at, at some point. I mean, I, I think we all kind of were. Um, but we, you know, it came to a point where we just weren't on the same page anymore and weren't really going in the in the same direction. Um, and, you know, so, you know, like all good things, sometimes things come to an end or to a pause. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's... Uh, so before we get to, 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 to the like the pause of greenhouse, yes. how so you guys were able to obtain like a like a pretty uh, like I mean like like regional like local and regional success pretty say, quickly. I, yes. Uh, local. What, what was your kind of approach? Like how, how were you able to do that? Um, well, I mean, starting out with the bar with the bar shows, really the, the art walk shows and then the mellow mushroom shows made our local fan base and, and established us at this fun band that you want to you want to go party with those guys or like that's where the fun's at um and then we started taking it more seriously and um knowing that we had to turn down some of these gigs we we couldn't be playing these local bar shows as much if we wanted to be on the venue shows or if we wanted to start doing shows on the road and getting a little more respect as a touring act or a aspiring touring act um around the southeast and so we grew in the southeast first um and it was actually in um 2012 i believe where we we signed on with an agency um we signed on with nimble slick first um and they were doing our booking and then um nimble slick who do they do they, they, they are they perpetual groove that's who it was yep. yeah okay um, um chad chad's got p groove those are you know that they he actually started the uh the company okay uh, with for them kind of and you know they run out of athens um but anyway um we were on with nimble slick for a while um and then we had a, a manager out of philly um justin berger uh had a company called death waltz media and so he actually in 2013 when scotty came on he introduced us to scotty after john left and um 
we ended up doing a tour with uh, Biodiesel and Space Jesus Live Band. I fucking miss Biodiesel so much. So, yeah, Johnny Brab and Clay Parnell. Uh, Clay was a big inspiration for me on the bass. Um, he but played Johnny, in a band called Brothers Johnny, Past. Johnny Rab is the Guinness Book of World Records for the fastest or the, the fastest drum hits in a minute. Something really? like that, yeah. And I, he is just the best drummer you've ever he's seen. He's amazing. He, Johnny, That's my Victor Wooten moment for drums anyways, is, is uh, fucking Johnny Rab without a doubt. He's just insane. Johnny Rab is uh, currently the drummer for a Collective Soul now. Yeah. So he's really? A, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's pretty dope. Yeah, absolutely. Good for him. Biodiesel was Biodiesel was amazing. Actually, that, so good. that was the last tour Biodiesel did. And so we did three weeks. We did two weeks in the Northeast and then one week down in Florida. And so that was our first three-week tour in 2013. And then in the summer, we did you know a bunch of shows with Scotty, went back up north. What was really cool and having a drummer from New York who was flying down to play with this Florida band um, was being able to go up and start – you know, meeting a ton of like we weren't just some new band up there. He already had a bunch of friends, so right. he was introducing us to people up in New York or in Philly or in you know. And so, um, we already you know it was like boom, we we've got like we're doing the whole East Coast now. And so, I, um, we did a couple couple different tours. I think the longest we were ever on the road was about uh, we did two or three tours that were around like three weeks. Um, and I, I suggest as a up and coming band or somebody who's, you know, not, you know, really doing it in the tour bus yet or whatever, like, you don't really need to stay on the road much longer than three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, even, even these days longer than like a weekend is like, uh, yeah, you know I mean, like, like do, do like a weekend, come home, do another weekend, like, you know, like the three weekend weeks, or, yes. like, like three, three weeks, we were on, but like consecutive, but like come home in between. Yeah. You know we know I mean? we were on, on the road for three weeks. Yeah, yeah. So it does. Yeah. You, I mean, you learn a lot, you, you figure out some stuff. Um, and so, yeah, we did uh 2015. I think we did our last, like, three or four week little um, run with was with particle actually. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Keyboard so. Jesus. That's what I call him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We used to Steve make, Mullis, I, I used to always it. make jokes at Steve. I, uh, if it, some nights, some nights he'd just have his hair tied back and other nights he'd have his hair like flowing yeah. and like the fan on it. I was like, Oh, Steve, you're going to play good tonight. The hair's looking good, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does. He'll, he'll, he'll do like, uh, uh, I can't think of his name right now because I'm, I'm sick. But from Yes, Roundabout, what's his fucking name? Rick, Rick Chris Wakeman. Squire? Rick Wakeman. No, Chris Squire was a like bass that. player. But yeah. he'll stick. That's he'll... That's the only guy I know from Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you not know? Okay, whatever. Because I'm a bassist. Okay, I know Chris yeah. Squire. All right. Well, <laughs> but uh, he'd, he'd stick his hands out like this and, and like that. And I swear to God, it's Keyboard Jesus is my yeah. website. <laughs> That's awesome. He's like the kind of skinny That's guy awesome. with long brown hair. But anyways. So, I mean, yes, the, the way we really kind of – um, transitioned from a um, a local heavy hitter to a regional uh, act to somebody who was aspiring to being a nationally touring act um, was really having to turn down the bar gigs here and there. We did a couple uh, under a um, alias at a, uh, under an alias uh, instead of Greenhouse Lounge. We used Casa de Verde. Um, love, just, I love that. So clever. it's not even like good, like real Spanish. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't even mean greenhouse. It's yeah, so bad, just so bad. Green. Just, yes, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we th we got a kick out of that. Um, but then, I mean, also people were like, "Uh, well, the, well, you're not gonna use your name?" We're like, "Nope." Yeah, we'll play your show though. Yeah, 
<laughs> so that that worked a couple times, but then we we kind of just you you get to a point where you're like, okay, well, if I want to do this on a more serious level, then we are gonna have to say, hey, no, like we're gonna play shows at venues. Yeah, and like if you wanna if you wanna play shows at bars, go right ahead. It's fine. But if you want, if you're aspiring to be a touring act, you have to put your foot down at some point and take some of the smaller gigs while you're building it up. And then also just get on the road, find, you know, yeah, totally. um, what really helped us is that we were the, the only real jam Tronica act in Jacksonville at the time until lucky Costello came. Hey, uh, so, um, but we would have friends from new, we had, um, Friends from New Orleans, Gravity A came and played. We had EP3 up from Atlanta came down. We had the Mala, who was in South Carolina at the point. They would come down. So we had all these friends and homies from the festival scene or just, I mean, Jason and I were younger then. We had more friends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yeah, we would, you know, hit up our homies and we would kind of show swap. That's a Um, big thing, man. People, People like don't. I mean, I think people are aware of it, but honestly, like, like I, I don't think that people utilize it in the way that they should a lot of the times. It's like, if you're doing a show swap, if someone's coming to your town and you're going to do a show with them, make sure that they know that you're trying to come to their city and, and do you the same thing. do the same thing. Yes, yes. Because, like, there's a lot of times where bands come, you know, like, well, we've been on the road before, uh, and we'll play, like, you know. I don't even know you, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do, like, we played in Charlotte at a place called The Evening Muse. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was a really fun night. There's a lot of people out there. And uh, the other band was like, you know, let, let us know when you guys have a show in Jacksonville. We'd love to come down. I was like, well, you let me know when you're coming down to Jacksonville and we'll, and we'll split. Like, like, be, like, you have to take the initiative to go on the road yes. and, hit, and hit people up yes. and make sure that they know that you're serious about what you're trying to do. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. how you really form those relationships. Absolutely. You know? And then, you, you, I mean, you do some things where, where if you're doing like a show swap run or something, where you're on the road. I mean, the, uh, I think the first couple uh, runs we did like that was with the Mala. And uh, we would open for them. And then, some, um, and then like maybe one city, like Jacksonville or something, they would open for us that night or something. Right. But, um, and then you kind of, who's ever bigger in whatever market or who's ever, you know. Switch it around. Yeah, yeah. switch it around, you know. Um, but, I mean, at first, you're just going to be the opener. Um, yeah. And you're like, hey, yeah, I'll, we'll come do support for you guys. Let's go on a run together. And kind of got to go out there and prove yourself. Um, and, you know, just uh, hope for the best. Did you guys <laughs> ever use any kind of uh, cool promotional tactics when you were playing in new markets or even in local shows? Like something like just, you know, I don't know. Like free beer? Free beer, just just anything like like something that kind of sweetened the pot for the people that were I'm coming sure out. We, I'm sure we did at some point. We would try to throw little either promotional things or you know um, also like the whole like guess a number between one and a hundred and whoever you're you're on the guest list. Shit or, like that, yeah, you, totally, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You should always um, try to connect and give one or two people a, a list spot if you have the list available and kind of, you know try to get people involved and into what yeah nowadays they're calling it actionable content what? you put it out and it's content that requires or not really requires but it it, it engages your fan base and in, in the in the fan base engagement it it gives more it gets more visibility and gets more people to engage what nerd called it that that's Some just what they're called facebook yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can That's we just a, get back to playing music? Yeah, I, right? I, I fucking wish. I, I wish, time. man. I wish. 
speaking of, uh, uh, I gotta show you uh, Greenhouse Sanchez's Facebook. Oh page. yes, my our our Facebook page was hacked. <laughs> oh, is that what happened? Oh, absolutely. I was trying to we find sell, it. Uh, find we it. sell. Closed from Asia now. Oh, yeah. that's um, what it is. Okay. Yeah, we, like, we sell Vietnamese fashion. Uh, yeah. So, what I mean, if you're into, you know, Southeast dirty, dirty Jamtronica and love Vietnamese fashion, <laughs> yeah. we are for you. Yeah, we're the band for you. So, last, sure. last fall, um, <laughs> I logged into our Facebook and there was a scam that said, you violated community standards. Please sign into that. And without thinking, because I was not thinking, I I was like, oh no, we can't lose our thing. And then I go to do something, and then all of a sudden, I am an admin of this fake community standards page. Oh my god! And then god. they have my uh, they have me locked out, and I'm hitting Facebook up from every angle, and this, and reporting them that, and that. I mean, and I. Facebook would be like, well, I think this is the wrong department. Should I send it over here? And I just, there's nobody to call. There's nobody to talk to. Right. They don't give a shit. If your shit gets hacked, it's basically fuck just suck. hacked. Yeah. <laughs> fuck suck. <laughs> so we're in the process right now um, of just creating a new Facebook page. I have. Um, That's all you can really do. I have. Yeah. I've got a. I've got a buddy of mine who, you know, does digital content and um, is, is good on all that stuff. Who's. Gonna be helping us out, and um, or we can just take a trick, quick trip to Bangkok, dude, and just fucking meet up with these well, people. Well, <laughs> Bangkok's not in Vietnam, but that's cool. What? Since when? <laughs> Bangkok's in Thailand. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> what? He, he had his second dose. He's still a little foggy. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I got dosed yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> you got dosed, bro. That Pfizer <laughs> gonna get you. He's got that fucking Bill Gates microchip. <laughs> Dude, no, do? dude, that didn't even work. Like, <laughs> he, he doesn't. He doesn't call. He hasn't written. I haven't like gotten like, you know. I know what you're doing. Like, yeah, no, it's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. No, <laughs> no, yeah. I thought I was at least gonna get like some kind of like you know like Thank a card. Yeah, like a pat on the back or like, thanks, Dave from Bill. Some some dumb shit. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. nothing it's all complete horseshit. It is. It is. Um, okay, so JHL takes a pause, goes on break, and then you move to Atlanta. Yes. What I, was it like going into that scene and having to kind of make not? I mean, you probably I'm sure you knew a lot of people up there, but just breaking into a new scene. So basically, the reason I moved to Atlanta actually, I um, I felt like I had just kind of like hit a wall in Jacksonville. My band was on pause. Um, I mean, and we we caught it at like a extended hiatus or a undeterred. I forget what what basically it was like. Hey. We're, we're not a band anymore, but maybe we could be. Yeah. But probably not. Um, so anyway, yeah, I moved up to Atlanta. Um, I had a, the, the girl I was dating and living with at the time um, uh, broke up with me. And a couple days later, I had, had a sublet at a friend's place who was out of town trimming weed in Cali for a month or something. And um, I think it was right after Halloween, we all jumped in the car at Swanee and drove straight up to Athens, Georgia, because STS-9 was playing. And I think we thought we could get free tickets or something, or some of us got free tickets. I don't know. Anyway, we went to Atlanta after the show, and um, my good friends Brian Sutoff, who's still my roommate now, and uh, Dan Cox, who uh, plays in a band. Uh, I, I play in his band in Atlanta, actually, called Hive Mind. Um, I, they were like, you know, we're partying that night. And they're like, well, I mean, we need a roommate. And I was like, well, I need to get the fuck out of Florida. And like, they're like, all right, well, I was like, see you next month. And they're like, tight. <laughs> and so a month later, I, a buddy of mine came down with his van. Uh, my buddy Josh from Lucidia. Um, 
And we loaded a bunch of stuff up in his van and then loaded my car up and drove to uh, to Dan and Brian's place. Unloaded that shit. And then, you know, boom, I don't live in Florida anymore. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, yeah, after that, um, I mean, I was still... Say the first year or something I was there. I mean, I was I didn't have the greatest habits. Um, I was still kind of getting my shit together. Um, and later that year, I was having a lot of fun, sure. uh, meeting a lot of people. I, I had already known a lot of people up in Atlanta um, from Greenhouse playing and then other people coming down. And, I mean, just doing all the fish shows, doing all, you know, biscuits and Sector 9 over the years. I, I mean, I used to go to the Tabernacle 2004 through like 2008 like every year for sector nine okay back when fish was on their hiatus or, or their breakup or whatever um and so yeah i had already made tons of friends in atlanta and already kind of the city always just you know, i always felt drawn to it um and so i moved up there and then um i've been up there for about nine months and um dan said hey man do you want to uh do you want to open for Yodo? Do you want to put a little band together with, uh, you know, some of our buddies and just do like a little improv set for Yodo? Or I was like, yeah, sure. And um, so we did that. And um, Rohan Prakash, who uh, plays with, played drums with uh, Higher Learning, uh, his main main band now is Space Cadet. That's the band he started years ago. Um, they are amazing. Um, he also has a project called Rohan Solo. He's a very, very talented drummer. So he's on the kit. Um, our buddy Niles Roberts uh, is an amazing keys player and producer. He was the uh, the brains behind Higher Learning. Um, him and Ryan Renaud. And uh, then Dan was the uh, guitarist for EP3, who was a Atlanta Jamtronica act from, or really originally from Ohio, um, back in the day. And um, so the you know it's like four guys from you know who had played. Uh, in different acts kind of together on different bills together, just doing a little project. And, um, you know, the first one went all right, pretty well. Um, and then the second one went better and the th you know, and we, we did it every couple months. We weren't like, Hey, we're starting this project. We're going to hit the road. All of us were like, nah, yeah. this is like a little side project that we all know. We're like, damn, I'm, I'd always be like, shit, man, wish we could put more work into this and shit's badass. Yeah. Um, but everybody's busy. Sure. Yeah, you know, even when you've got kind of a good thing, sometimes you're like, all right, just enjoy it for what it is. Don't try to push the boundaries on something that shouldn't, you know, take it a little slow. Um, and so, yeah, that um, breaking into a new scene was um, not as difficult if I had just moved to a city that I'd never lived in or didn't sure. have a bunch of people in before. So I already kind of felt accepted or kind of already had some good little hookups or whatever in Atlanta before, you know, when I first got started. So to answer your question, it wasn't really as hard for me because I had already been established a little bit. In gotcha. Atlanta. And what kind of stuff were you seeing like, as far as opportunities and things that might've been going on in the scene there that, that you notice might not be as accessible in a smaller market. Anytime you're in a, a major, major American market, something like Atlanta, um, New York, L.A., Denver, um, San Fran, even. Um, you're, you're just, there's just always just more going on. If you look at tour schedules or whatever, every major act is going through those major markets, Chicago, I yeah. mean, all, all that stuff. And so just 
there's more opportunity um, with different musicians up there, but there's just always bigger things coming through right. regularly. Um, and even the uh, the fans up there, and the, I mean the the people who go see music, I feel like they're just I mean they're just used to seeing top tier level music yeah all the time. It's, at, a, bit, it's at a, like, a bit more built into that culture. It I is. feel like yeah, it is. It is, and you're just. That's what you expect from musicians because right. you go to the Tabernacle or the Fox Theater or Phillips Arena or the Variety Playhouse or Terminal West or even if you're doing a smaller one at IO5, which is kind of like 1904 in Atlanta. It's in Little Five Points. That's you know where we do a lot of our, our shows and stuff. But Atlanta has so it's, – it's got like basically like a farm league of venues. If you looked at how right. baseball or how sports goes, I mean, Atlanta, same thing for musicians. You've got – Aisle five, and then Terminal West, and then Variety Playhouse, and then the Tabernacle, and then the Fox, and then the Roxy, and then you know, yeah. and so it just and you can watch, you can watch some of these artists grow over. You know, if somebody's really onto something and really blowing up over four or five years, you can watch them go from the three hundred person venue to the eight hundred to the twelve hundred to the you know to the three thousand to the six thousand, you know, stuff like that, and it is kind of pretty cool to see you know or like i, I was at an anderson pack show um at the roxy which is like a six thousand person venue and then later that year um they did a show at the variety playhouse which is like a 12 11 1200 person venue and to see certain artists of a certain stature somebody who's just really on top of the whole game right now in a smaller room like that it's it's something you're not you're not going to get in a smaller market. It's yeah, not going to be available. So, but it is, um, I mean, people, it's not like no, no one takes music for granted in Atlanta, but it is just more like, this is what we do. This is who we are. This is, you know, like we go to shows and we see good music. Yeah. All the time. That's just the standard. Right. Right. Sounds really cool. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to play in Atlanta. I've never got to play there before. I, I, I grew up, uh, my uncle lives there and I've, I've gone, Atlanta's God knows how many. All right. Times. Well, I'm not going to promise that you're going to play in Atlanta, but I I'm going to tell you that I have a really really strong notion <laughs> that your first show in Atlanta might might be with me. Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice. I, I'm working on it. Yeah. But, um, um, what was I going to say though? I can't remember. But yeah, I I just I hate the city like so much. <laughs> you hate the city? Yeah, I can't stand. Oh, I love. I'm a city boy. I, I I love being out in the mountains and the country, but there's something about like. Like like New York City or like Chicago. It makes you feel alive. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Oh I'm no, no, no 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 like those cities are great. I'm talking just about Atlanta. Yeah, he just doesn't like Atlanta. I just don't like Atlanta. Ah uh, well, I mean, Atlanta influences everything. Yeah, I, sp- I know. I, I I've I never been. I've always that. wanted to go, man. I've always. <laughs> My it's dad, like, my, my dad said he always thought my dad was in bands back in the seventies and eighties, and they, like their main hub outside of South Florida was Atlanta. Yeah. And he always told me he was. I always thought I was going to settle down in Atlanta, and I was like, "Well, thank you for settling down in South Florida where nothing is happening." <laughs> I could have at least been, been like a cool fucking music scene in Atlanta, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's and, and that's what drew me to Atlanta when I when I was leaving Jackson. When my buddies were like, "Hey, I mean, we've got a room up here. If you you know, we need a roommate," and I was just like, "Yes." Yeah, let me – and also, like, I had to get out of my comfort zone. I mean, there's yeah. no – I mean, every once in a while, you got to um, – sometimes, especially certain times in life, you just feel that push, and you're like, all right, like, I have to take this opportunity. I have to take a leap. And um, that's where the growth is, is when you when you put yourself out there 
and and you know you put yourself in a situation where you might you know you're like okay i know i need to do this there's uncertainty about it but i mean with everything there's risk and reward and and really there's growth too and growth comes with being out of your comfort zone and um, it usually works out too if you just stick to your guns on it and, it and really and really you know do it right you know as long as you don't like make yep. the decision and then like and then like you know i don't for lack of a better word like pussy out you know what I mean? It's That's, like, that is a terrible word to use. Yeah. But to to get cold feet. <laughs> cold feet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. great. There you go. Um, there you go. But yeah, I mean, if you don't, yeah, cold feet. No wonder he's on the bottom of the bill. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I fu- he's a PR nightmare. <laughs> yeah. um, so, yes, there. I, I was always just, just drawn to Atlanta, especially, I mean, I seeing all these bands that really really inspired me and anytime like any of those bands that i really loved back in the day which i still enjoy their music quite a bit um it was it was atlanta where i was seeing them and sometimes i mean they come down to florida too um yeah i saw some fish shows in miami for new year's oh, yeah. i saw some sts9 shows and in, in florida they did some florida runs i saw some disco biscuit shows in florida during langarado and they did some other stuff too. The, the one time they played. Well, it's it just here. usually like a 2006, event. 2007, and 2008. You mean? In, for, no, I'm just saying like the one time, like the one place they ever played. Get him, Dave. <laughs> Baby, I was there. <laughs> no, I, was well, I wasn't because I was still yeah, that was my high school. Yeah, that's when I, you know, I was those those times inspired me too. It was really, you know, it, it was. Um, you don't even know you're in it, or, or that like this is, you know, until you look back on it years later. You're like, oh wow, did. Those experience helped shape me and get me into a you know direction where I wanted to go and you cool. know and and just showing up as a youngster and traveling out of town or with some people you don't know that well but you're like ah these are my new you know my friends I'm like, gonna go just do this that's that's part of the the same thing about being like yeah when an opportunity knocks and when the iron's high you just strike that shit you yeah know? well I feel like also in those in, in, in a place like Atlanta and bigger markets as well there's there's, you know, you have like record labels and you have booking agencies yes. and management. Yes. People yeah, sure. that, that are kind of on the ground that if you are on the ground too, will see. They're, they're first yeah. off, they're easier to get in touch with, yep. and sec- and like they, they 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 get to know who you are just from being out in the mm-hmm. scene and you being out yeah. in the scene. Yeah. Whereas like if you're in a in a in a in a market like this, it's more of like you have to reach out to them and you have to just work a little bit harder to get on their on their radar. You, you know, you do. There's a lot of people who I mean, and a lot of really serious artists will move to those bigger major markets because one the competition's stiffer so if you are serious about the competition and want to show that you know show them what's up those major markets are kind of the place to do it and to kind of you know if you stand out in a city like that that means you can really and and that's where the management and the the booking agent and the agencies are going to look and say okay yeah 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 with this and I'll say it's going to be easier to build a bigger following just because there's way more people in those Yeah, markets. exactly. So it's easier to attract, you know. There's not as many fans in Jacksonville who are into this into your style of music or something, or maybe it's harder to, to reach them or find them. In a city, in a major, major market, there's way more of those people who are into it because yeah. there's just more people. Yeah, exactly. And then there, I, I feel like some of those major markets, too, especially in the, the type of stuff we do, are more in tune to that type of 
thing. Well, is it something something that you said about di- diversity and culture yeah. that it exposes people to more and makes them just more open minded yeah. about about newer things coming out. Yeah. Not to say Jacksonville doesn't have people that are open minded. I mean, I, I I love Jacksonville and the scene here. I think is pretty strong. But um, just you know, if if you go to like a place like Atlanta or New York or whatever, it's like the, just the diversity yeah. in culture there yeah. really exposes people to something that you don't get in other cities. And I think that that makes you more open to different influences in your art you know yeah. so people can try new things and they're just ready to, to accept those new things you yep. know i i mean i completely agree with everything you just said i think there's a, a massive amount of talent in jacksonville but i think it's also harder like some of that talent doesn't get recognized as much because it's not in a bigger market or it's not being sh- you know well you gotta get that make sense yeah totally I mean, if you're gonna be in a market like this you have to just make sure that you're going on the road and that yes. people in those bigger yes. markets well, that's, do see that's you. exactly what greenhouse lounge did i said okay like, early on i was like all right well okay now that we're playing decent shows here time to take this show on the road yeah because i mean if you it, as a musician if you want to grow if you want to grow your fan base if you want to do this on a bigger level i mean Let's take the show on the road, baby. Yeah, totally. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's what you that's, have to do. And yeah. you have to make it happen yourself these days. You can't wait for somebody to discover you, especially in a no, place no, where there's no, not no, really no. people looking to, to discover people, right? No, so no, it's no, like... The game has changed. Yeah, you guys kind of be grinding it and doing it all you yourself. Don't have some, yeah, you don't have some A&R guy. And I mean, most A&R guys aren't looking for some jam band, some up-and-coming jam band. Totally. There's already, a, you know, there's a bunch of up-and-coming jam bands. Yeah. And so really most of those types, I, I feel like the, the A&R type guys... And the the scallant touts of, of um, the talent scouts of the music industry are I mean one you're looking for younger people you're looking totally. for that because you're, you're going for the 18 to 25 crowd or you're going younger than that you yeah. want like the 10 to 17 crowd right if you're going pop and rap and even rock I mean what sells is talented youth yeah and you know and I mean in sex sells like yeah basically so like yeah young sexy people yeah that's what sells records in that industry or in the pop world pop market yeah. And i'm like yeah yeah i mean that's just you know that's america that's where the money's at yeah and i mean the pop music is all it's all ear candy there's a re i mean pop music's not bad it's really no, it's well really, produced it's, it's, it's really well music. done yeah but oh, i mean yeah. if you if you look at uh britney spears the backstreet boys in sync um it's that guy's name from Sweden who wrote like pretty much all of their songs. Oh, you know about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't yeah, remember his I'm, name, but yeah. Yeah, like we said, their memory is yeah. not always <laughs> the sharpest. But yeah, Max something or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, there's this one dude um, from Sweden who, who, who wrote like all of the big pop songs from yeah. like the late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, he's actually like, a classical yeah. musician yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So yeah, no, no, it's not, yeah, when Britney Spears is singing Toxic, I mean, somebody did that beat and somebody gave her that song and, you know, the record companies, that's how pop music works. So if you want to be in that part of the game, you could do that. If you're like us and you're like, you know, in your 30s and like playing like nerdy music, like, you know, jazz and funk and all that. You got to go grind it out on the road. Yeah. Not to say that you can't reach like that level of success uh, in a, in a niche market, you know, but it's like, but it's just, it's a different, it's a different grind, you know, totally different grind. And and we're also out here for different reasons. Yeah. You know, there, there's something about, um, music that feeds your soul and like you also doing it. Like you're like, all right, well, I mean, I want to pay my bills, but I also just love doing this and this is what me makes me feel happy. This is what, 
you know, just makes me want to get up and live another day. And like, when do I get to go hang out with the boys and make music again? Like there's nothing to me personally, there's nothing that compares um, to connecting with the other musicians on stage and locking in and really driving it home. Um, I mean, sex, like really good sex. (laughs) Um, But I mean, it's comparable. Those are like the the two things, and it, it's all pretty much you know, uh, dopamine and serotonin release. Yeah, in the like band. a really good book. Ah! Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a really good book. Yeah, yeah like, uh, like, like Goblet of Fire. Like, yeah, for the first time. I mean, I was thinking kind of like Cat in the Hat or something. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was still being a little too highbrow. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, seriously. You know, War and Peace. That one really got me going. Yeah. I didn't, um, I didn't read War and Peace. I haven't read shit in a long time. I'm not a big reader. You got to keep reading, otherwise your brain's going to turn to money. It does. Yeah, you got to read. I've never been a huge, huge reader. I love audiobooks, though. What I've discovered is that I really do. On, I don't know I was talking about my long walks in Atlanta sometimes. I, will, um, I don't always listen to music. Sometimes I'll listen to the webinars. Sometimes I'll listen to, like, uh, Disgraced Land, which is just. It's a good one. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, good, like that that's a good, good one. That's a good one. All the story, yeah. you know, just the stories. Jake Brennan does such a good job. Yeah. Getting in the mood and telling you the rock and roll stories. Yeah, for sure. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, just I, I really, I, I, I've been more of an auditory learner all of my life. Yeah. Um, I, you know, just reading it on the back blackboard and memorizing it was never my thing um there's certain things if you want to remember something there's a way to um if you have a thought and you speak it out loud that means you had to think of it you had to speak it and then you had to hear hear yourself so there's a whole cyclical um thing going on there to help you know train the memory all that kind of stuff um but yeah i've always been more of an auditory learner and so i really do enjoy some books on tape um enjoy just kind of you know, just clearing the mind and taking a long walk and just like having, having it all right there. Yeah, I feel that. So, um, all right. So, do you want to read to us sometime, Billy? I'm. Just, I, I, he would. I would he would love to. to I'm yeah, sure. I yeah. Um, all right. So, um, after a while in Atlanta, you've decided to kind of put GHL back together. So it would seem. Uh, so the way this all happened actually um, was not my idea. Um, I, uh, I actually hit Jason Honeycutt up about hive mind coming. I said, I saw that he booked the new deal and I said, Oh wow. Jason and I used to love the new deal. I was like, but I'd love to get my Atlanta side project down. And I hit Jason up. I said, Hey man, what, what about hive mind coming and opening up for the new deal? And he was all about it. And so I hit up Dan Cox, uh, the guitarist and said, yeah, would you want to do this? And he was yeah, man, that sounds great. So we hit up Rohan, the drummer. He said, oh, man, I've got a gig that day. I got a Space Cadet gig you know, somewhere else already. I said, oh, okay. So I hit Jason up. I was like, yeah, I'm for it. I guess it's not going to work. And he goes, well, what about, uh, well, uh, do you want to get Greenhouse Lounge back together with, like, I go, well, th- well I mean, with who? He goes, who's? I don't know, Billy and Steve, <laughs> reach out to them. And I was like, well, well, yeah, I always, you know, I've sat in with Lucky Costello a couple of times and I always fucking loved playing music with Billy. So, oh yeah, yeah, that would, that'd be great. And I was like, I mean, I know Steve will do it. I've played music with him a bunch of times. And like, yeah, Steve was like, yeah, I'd love to play Greenhouse Lounge. Um, and so we, uh, 
we took it lightly. I, I told Jason I was actually going to have to buy some, some more gear. I was like, yeah, this certain pedal that I had that did this specific noise that people were super into or whatever. I was like, I don't have that thing anymore. And so, I, you know, I was pretty much rebuilt a pedal board over the past couple of years. Um, and it's bigger, better, badder than it's ever been. Nice. Um, but, yeah, we, uh, you know, just tried it out. I said, okay, well, if we're going to do this, I'll come down for some rehearsals. And what happened was we relearned um, – I think about five or six songs off the original album, right on time, that Jason and I recorded in 2011, 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, we barely got them down in time to play for the new deal. Um, but we, we did. We played a little hour set opener and um, uh, out back in 1904 and had all of our friends out there. That was, like, the pa most packed I've ever seen the, the back port, the patio there. Yeah, man, I um, can't believe it. And they were just – the kids were just – raging yeah. our, our fam was just crushing it That's we were awesome. like we felt it was special um and then uh starts raining at the end the last 10 minutes of our of our set it starts raining no one nobody left, left. Yeah. nobody it moved was everybody was just and then after the after we were done they were all just standing there i was like go inside y'all it's <laughs> raining and the new deal is about to play yeah. we'll see y'all in a minute yeah <laughs> um and so the uh we were just we were kind of like okay we'll do one show and we'll see how it goes you know test the waters and we felt great about it. We had a great response from all of our friends and our, our family who showed up. Um, and so we felt good about it. And we said, okay, well, let's let's do some shows in the spring. And so I, um, the next uh, winter, I started coming down for some rehearsals. We did about six weeks of rehearsals. Yeah, man. Got everything ready. <laughs> we had some shows lined up. We were going to do our, you know, our first little three-night run back. And then COVID. Yeah. yeah. They got um, canceled. And then COVID was actually... I considered it a blessing in disguise as far uh, in disguise as far as um, how I took the time and what I did with it. Um, I reinvested into more gear. Um, I started taking more lessons again from uh, my buddy Luke Bamond from La Special. He is um, he's a Berkeley grad and an amazing bassist. And um, he's uh, he's kind of short like me, and so I was like, all right, well, I gotta, I don't, I don't need to like take lessons from some dude who's got giant bass hands that I'm gonna envy. I'm like, how about somebody who's like around my size or whatever? Yeah. Like that'll that'll make a little more sense. So Luke turned me on to, you know, I, I told him I just wanted new practice exercises, new just like different things to work on, you know. And just I was like, dude, I'm so sick of all of my knowledge. I can watch videos for days, but like, yeah, it's, you know. Just turn me on to, you know, some different approaches or some different little exercises to do. And it was great. It got me in a better headspace. Um, and um, we started Greenhouse back in the fall last year and played a sketchy COVID show um, for uh, for Halloween or the or for Devil's Night, the night before Halloween. Nice. Yeah, that's appropriate. Um, and that one, um, we brought back even more stuff. We brought back a couple of uh, tunes from Zach's era in the band to pay homage to that era. Um, which were originally written on Ableton, but we've um, uh, reworked them into a full live band setting where um, Billy's doing, you know, a bunch of keys parts, synth parts on there. I'm making a little more noises with my pedals when I need to, you know. Um, so that was kind of pretty cool, just expanding it. And then we also wrote our first really two new songs because one of them I introduced from Hive Mind and one of them you introduced from Lucky. But I mean, they're all becoming Greenhouse songs. So basically you added four newer songs, four new songs, 
two older ones that Zach had written, and then we had the original five that we had started with. So we were the whole goal for the Halloween show was to get to two sets with the material. And I was like, all right, if we're gonna do a headlining show back, I want to have two full sets and an encore. And I was like, I think that's only proper. Um, and you know, by the skin of their, our teeth again, because I'm so demanding with all the stuff I want them to learn. <laughs> Uh, we did that. And so it went well. And then we did another New Year's show. And then finally, um, after New Year's, I took another little break at the beginning of this year because, I mean, other than Florida, every, everything else was still shut down. I was like, well, I guess just wait a little while longer again. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we're back. We are um, two weeks for this weekend. We are playing our first festival set in over five years. Um, well, this will come out on Sunday, so. Oh. How was the show? Uh, the show's the show was great. Yeah, yeah. Show, the show was amazing. Uh, OBJ ahead. was <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> we had a blast playing for everyone at OBJ. Yeah, it was great. Uh, but at the end of the month, we do have um, our first three night run yeah. uh, coming up. Uh, we're playing. Two of our favorite venues. We're going to do two nights at the Dunedin Brewery down in Dunedin, Florida. I thought you were going to be like, yeah, two of our favorite venues, and they're, they're both Dunedin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, uh, the Dunedin Brewery, the yeah. oldest microbrewery in Florida. Yeah. Uh, and then um, Home Base, 1904. We're, um, what we're trying to do kind of on some of these runs is um, – Connect back with uh, some of the people we've toured with or played with in the past or had to sit in with us. Um, this next one on May 30th, um, we're doing Greenhouse Lounge with Roosevelt Collier. Um, and he is, uh, we don't even know what's going to happen yet. We just know that, like, Rosie's our homie. And um, we're going to have him up. And, um, you know, it's going to be a good night. Have you ever tasted heaven in a glass? Do you pine for the hoppiest brews and palest ales? Do you like food? If so, then Wicked Barley is the oasis that your mouth has been wishing for, walking into the complete barren wasteland that is your life. Wicked Barley is located in Jacksonville, Florida, nestled on the banks of Good Beast Creek. Wicked Barley aims to provide its guests with a wicked experience, offering over 18 house-brewed beers, ciders, and meats on tap. They also have an expansive gastropub-style food menu, including burgers, salads, sandwiches, and more. Whether you are a newcomer or a craft beer connoisseur, there's a little something for everyone at Wicked Barley. Visit them at 4100 Bay Meadows Drive and tell them Bottom of the Bill sent you. Rosie's pretty one. good about just finding his spot, you know? Yeah. He just, yeah, he just knows. He's a G, yeah, you know? exactly. Like, straight up. Exactly. Rosie's a G. Um, so, anyway, yeah, we're really excited about that. Um, later, I mean, there's some other artists that we're looking to hopefully collaborate with um, later this year again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just um, be on the lookout. We're going to have a new Facebook page. I'm going to be sending you all the invites. Please send them to your friends since our fans were stolen from us to sell Vietnamese swag. Yeah, that's, that's a anyway, rough one, man. Um, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Um, we are going to be definitely doing um, select shows. Uh, you'll probably uh, see couple little three night runs maybe here maybe there whatever we're not um we're not jumping into the deep end by any means we're we're a little older a little wiser um we're coming from it coming to coming at it to it whatever from a i don't know more reserved angle and oh, i love this i i just wanted to get hired for uh reunion 
band show <laughs> project. I'm like, this is great. So I, was, I practiced for three weeks, and I, I played for like a ton of fucking people for this one awesome show. And then I was like, all right, I'll see you in a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great gig. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's um, with Jason Honeycutt um, pretty much running the block yeah, no uh, downtown, um, you know, we, we have to be smart with our, I mean, Billy – we all have different schedules. So working with all the schedules to make the, I mean, I, I come down five hours um, from Atlanta, uh, Atlanta. That's how we actually say it. Atlanta. I've been like, I've been like enunciating the whole thing. Nobody does that. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's no T at the end of Atlanta. 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 It's like what Billy, when you say uh, Louisville, Louisville, <laughs> it's Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. Louisville. Yeah. Louisville. Yeah. Whoa. There's a whole, you got to have a little tobacco in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Louisville. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. Just working with all the schedules and everything. And, and just with your schedule, with my schedule, with Jason's schedule and yeah. finding where that sweet spot is. Um, to get the time in because I mean, we really, we don't really have more than four hours at a time. And that includes load in and set up sometimes some days. Um, so we have to be very, I mean, the time is sacred and, um, we're, we're definitely, we're in the zone of, uh, this summer, we're going to be writing some more material and working on some, you know, expanding the set even more. Um, I think both of us are looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, we just basically have to be very, very wise with our time management and when we are able to do this. And that's why we do, we take it very seriously now. Um, all the rehearsals are, you know, there's no fucking around. There's a lot of work to be done. And, um, you know, nobody wants to be a busta on stage, so. <laughs> that's for sure, that's yeah. for sure. So, yeah, I mean, we're just, in general, it's it's nice to, uh, it's really nice to have Jason Honeycutt back on drums. But like, oh, looking shit. over, like I'm in the center right now. I'll just be sometimes I'll just be playing these whole note bass lines, just holding down like just a you know a massive wall of bass. Simple stuff for me, but I just get to look to my left and right, and like there's Steve just shredding, and Billy's all into it. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Man. So it, it's a great feeling to um, to bring it back around and to um, just approach it um, with a little more respect for the music and for the craft these sure. days. And really, uh, and really take it seriously, and really, um, I don't know, just not not treat it as much as a you know a party on wheels as as we did at one point with it. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, and that happens on the road with bands, especially when you're playing party music. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All your fans want to party with and you, and when you're younger too, you know, yeah. it's just like that's where your head's at. Yeah. Like you, it's all, it's about the party, you know. Exactly. So, and then when you're older, it's all about not having the hangover beat you up for two days. Yeah, yeah so, for yeah, sure. Like, eh. <laughs> I'm really excited to see the people's reaction at the festival because I'm not I'm not trying to say that we're old by any means, but I do feel like it's like a new generation of kids coming into it's it. Definitely a new generation of kids. I think this is. Um, I don't know if they're gonna lie. I think mean, it's the tightest the band's ever played. No, I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, st we're all better musicians than we were five and ten years ago. So, and then we're all coming, um, approaching it with a much more serious angle, and and just like I said, respect for the craft, respect for everyone's time. Everyone's taking a lot of time out and making. I mean, nobody's trying to be like, oh, whatever. It's rehearsal, like whatever. No, everybody's like coming and giving their all. Um, that means a lot to me to to really come down. And sometimes I'm like, fuck, man, there's six hours down there. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. And then just when, sometimes when we connect on stage, I'm like, 
Yeah, worth every, it. every minute is fine. Yeah, yeah, worth it all the way. Yeah. So it's exciting. It's really exciting playing music with, with you, Steve and Jason, and bringing some of these songs back to life. Um, it's fun to bring them back to life, but we're really, really, those new songs are yeah. just, woo. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Woo. I mean, less is more sometimes. Yeah. You really, I mean, some of those songs, it's just going back and forth between two chords sometimes for me, but I'm just sitting there uh, just in the pocket and just letting these big bass waves just develop it's, and hearing you guys just shred over it or take this sound. and yeah. I mean, just, it's it's so it's funny cool. all the I'm honored to play with y'all all the older oh, yeah, all the older songs in greenhouse sounds released from like the album that we learned are like really fast paced and uh, like drum and bass and everything like that and all the new songs that we read is like the like chill i don't know how to <laughs> say it like not so. even chill but like just deeper yeah they're all like it's not as much it's not as much fast like kind of house or drum and bass um and and even when it is like there's sections of the songs that are but they're it's tighter it's more melodic there's yeah. it's more um I mean, we use a little more theory in the writing instead of just fucking raging. Um, I don't want. To, I don't want to like be mean. It just sounds prettier. I don't know how else to say it. It is it's prettier. Just prettier. You know it what I mean? It is prettier. That's, like that's some the of those things are they're, they're bigger. Um, there's certain parts where Jason and I really lock in and are doing, you know, really locked in on the rhythm. But we're doing something. I'm doing something pretty simple. Just yeah. be going back and forth, maybe between two notes. But maybe instead of like the E, I'm not just playing an E. I'm playing. And E, the high octave and the low octave. So I've got a big chord going. So the bass wave really develops. But so just some of the little things behind that and, and really just letting it breathe, knowing that less is more, and also focusing on um, what serves the song best. Yeah, not totally. serve, what, not, not, not what's going to get me off as a player, what's going to get my rocks off. No, nah, it's not about you. It's about the tune. It's about the unit. It's about the core. And it's about what's best for whatever you're doing in the moment and being aware of that and locking into that and, and just and being patient and knowing, hey, maybe maybe we got to play this one a couple of times and really kind of, hey, I'm not feeling it this way. I'm not. Let, let's OK, let's let's take five. Yeah. And come back to it. And, then, you know, and also not, you know, not playing it over and over to where you're like, oh, I hate this already. You're like, OK, yeah. well, just, we'll reapproach it. I, like I said, I think we've all grown as um as people as humans as as musicians um and and you know there's a like i, I keep saying this but there's a, a respect for the craft that um i don't think that i had before um i can't speak on every for everyone else but i can definitely say that um over the past couple of years and especially i mean since we've gotten the band back together um i have a lot more respect for the craft in general um, and uh, I feel very blessed that, I mean, even at my level, which is a whatever, a okay level, um, that I can make an inanimate object uh, display my emotions. And I can express myself and make this thing that does nothing. Like, and just, it, it, it's a blessing. And it, it's a blessing to be able to, to be able to have that gift that, a lot of people are like, well, I don't have that. And like, some people are right. They're just not They're They would know it. They're just brain doesn't work that way, but to have that gift and then to really dive into it and respect the fact that like you've grown with this and that you're a part of something so cool, like fucking music, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's like 
it's the healing thing that the world needs, man. So I know that's all hippy dippy, but that's true though, it man. Really it really is. is. It really I mean, is. there's a lot of um, I've I've gotten into all kinds of stuff with frequencies and everything, and I'll listen to like you know yoga like type like you know nine thirty six music and five twenty eight music and four thirty two and stuff. Oh, you mean that's the hurts like, or whatever. The, hurts the magical. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm into that freaky deaky uh, stuff. That's cool, man. I'm that's the one who likes psychedelics <laughs> in the band Billy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I forget. I forget that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. man. I'm, just like, I'm into the, all that stuff. No, that should. Uh, that, uh, that there's something there though. You know what I mean? That's, that's. But if you want to tap into that, you do need to be wearing the headphones for it. If you just have it on your speakers, you probably not won't gonna, notice the difference. Yeah, the binaural so. beats and everything. Yeah. Is definitely something where you you wearing the headphones, but um, I mean back to the music though. Um, I just, I feel blessed, honored um, to have the band back together, to be playing at the level we're playing at right now, and and the people who are involved, yourself, Steve Honig, Jason Honeycutt, um, kind of like a little Jacksonville All Star thing. We're like, all right, well if we're gonna bring Greenhouse Lounge back, let's fucking do it better than we ever did before, and. We really are. We really are. It feels it's all analog or organic. It's all organic, yeah. and it's still like some of those like parts are like more electronic. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's still. I don't know. I'm a I'm a I'm a live band type guy. There's nothing like a just a just the raw power of the band when they For sure. when they fucking lock in and just deliver. For so, sure. And and I'll be, uh, I'll be a fan for the rest of my life. I'll be a player. But I'll also be a fan. I, I still, that is one thing when I write set lists or when I'm, you know, going over things, I always like to put myself in the audience and say, how would this set affect me? If I was showing up to my show and you started with this and then you went into that and then, you know, you sagged into this or whatever, what kind of ride is this set going to take me on? And I try to put myself, that's a whole thing with, um, you know, walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So it's perspective. So um, removing yourself and putting yourself in the in the same thing and being like, how would this? How would I take this in? And what kind of ride? And I, you know, I think about that stuff a lot and what and where we can take people that that and why this song would follow that one or why we wouldn't do those two back to back or whatever. Right. And what the you know, ro- music to me, I like I like roller coasters. I love yeah. roller coasters because they're fucking awesome. And that's how my favorite shows are. Peaks like and coasters. valleys, man. Peaks and valleys, yeah. man. Peaks and valleys. So, that's awesome, man. I'm stoked to hear the new stuff when it went, uh, and just to see the new show when you, when you guys play locally again, and I'm able to actually show up. That'd be dope. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man. So uh, we should probably move on to unpopular opinions. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Oh wow, I didn't realize that was how late it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're getting a little. We're getting close to the end here because. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the homies Kamani are uh, playing at 1904 tonight. Have a great yeah. time. There's no extra. I know, I know, but like, if I'm here I'm so in town and then I don't show up to see fucking Nikki and Sput and Cat Dyson and LaFam crush it at my brother Jason Honeycutt's music venue, then then, yeah. I, then I'll be a buster. Of course, yeah, because. But anyway. Opinions. Where are we at? All right. So uh, typically, what we do is Billy and I have three of them, and we give the guests one at the end. So we'll do our. We'll go back and forth with ours, and then after we're done, we'll we'll give you one if you if you can think of one in the, in the interim period. Okay. I've lost I've lost my phone. That's why I was looking for it a little bit, but it's right behind you, bud. Hey, look. Guess what? <laughs> <laughs> my head's not screwed on today at all. But 
I wrote them down from last week because we didn't have any. All right. <sighs> you want to go first or? Uh, yeah. Hang on. Sorry. I'm just so out of it, man. <laughs> I'm, I, I apologize. I was looking forward to this because we, we scheduled this like a month ago. And we I, did. And I was just like, yeah, I can't wait. And I did not think I was going to be this sick or anything. Um, uh, let's see. I don't want Jesus to ever come back. Okay. <laughs> it's a heavy one. <laughs> Even if he is real and it's all real, just just stay up there. We're doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> or like this party's just gonna come to an ending. I don't want the Armageddon to happen. I guess that's what everybody doesn't want that. But I just never want him to come back. <laughs> it's a heavy one. That's I a don't very know. unpopular opinion. That's yeah, very unpopular. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, what if Mary got an abortion? That oh, should have been tough. Oh, t- <laughs> Did they have coat hangers back then? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, we're at the bottom of the bill. Yeah. Stay there, too. Um, hey, all I'm right. Lucy. Come on. I mean, so, Joseph could have kicked her in the stomach, I guess. Oh, yeah. my God. Whoa, I am going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Except there's not one. Uh, oh, shit. But even if uh, there is, I just, just stay up there, man. Like, what's the deal? I like uh, these opinions. Why you gotta? Why gotta ruin my, my time? Mine aren't so controversial this week. Um, my first one is avocados are gross. Uh, like, like used just, to think that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like yes. avocados, like just like by itself. Like only crazy people will just eat like a plain avocado. Just in general, I don't like avocados you don't on like anything. Guacamole? No, I hate guacamole. What? That's insane. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad one. Yeah, not in avocados at all. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's speed this up. Let's see. Okay, um, olives. They're fucking gross. Yeah. And if you're into them, I don't get you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> totally agree. They're oils. Big fan of cooking with their oils. Yeah. yeah. Um, as a bartender, when I have to make things with olives in them, I just, I just they're just so gross. They're so gross. And those people who are like, oh yeah, let me put some olive juice in my vodka and shake it up and have it's a gross. dirty martini. I'm like, you're gross too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't like pickles either. You like pickles? Uh, Clawson pickles from the deli section. I don't want none of them hot pickles that stand on the shelf or nothing. That shit has to be the cold deli kind. No, no, I like pickles, but it's got to be the, the right, right ones. One. If it's you. not the right one, that shit is trash. I get Firehouse I all that. the time, and they have like a dill spear on the side. That shit, their pickles are trash. Well, whatever. Firehouse subs pickles are fucking trash. I say, I say, <laughs> I say, popular opinions today. I say no pickle every <laughs> single time, and like then they still put one in there, and I like dry heat gag try pulling it out and throwing it away i Ugh. hate pickles that much you actually throw it away you don't throw it on the floor in disgust no yeah. that next time. doesn't even deserve the trash bro no. she deserves a fucking yeah. ground oh right. my god yeah unpopular opinions let's do this take me yeah. out around jackson <laughs> oh, spout them out uh i'm gonna be here for another hour <laughs> i was i was really drunk when i wrote this it says i want to be a grandparent to a failure child I never want kids. I just want to be 65 years old and be disappointed in someone and raise the only thing they've ever loved. That's like a deep... That's some deep-seated shit, bro. Yeah. Where'd they come from? Bill Bill went deep on these (laughs) today. I don't remember writing this. (laughs) Oh, there we go. (laughs) I don't want... I never want children ever, uh, uh, but I'd love to be an uncle. And that's it. That's it? Yeah. Okay, well... Uh, so my second unpopular opinion is unless you're from New York, LA, Atlanta, or South Florida, I don't want to hear about how bad your traffic is because it's not, it's just not. Did you say Atlanta in there? Yeah, I did. Did you say Denver? 
Denver's Denver's bad, but I mean, like yeah, again, I mean, you haven't been to Denver for a while, I guess, because yeah. Denver fucking blows ass. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bad, but I mean, like again, it's like it's not even like like te- like top ten in the country for worst traffic. Right, it is. Now it's, it is. These days. Now it is. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, fuck, I haven't been recently. Fuck Denver traffic. And everybody's stoned as fuck out there, so they're all fucking driving. <laughs> yeah. And it's all transplants, too, just like any other major city. Yeah. So they all have fucking completely different styles of driving. They're all fucking whatever. Yeah, my, uh, mom, my mom complains to me about... <laughs> on it. My mom complains to me about the Nicholasville, Kentucky traffic. I'm just like, okay. Well, yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah, 35,000 people there. Okay, last one. Um, I cannot stress this enough. I hate birds so goddamn much. It's okay. Like, with a passion. Yeah, you're not a fan like of birds. birds? Yeah, like birds? Yeah, all types. Like all avian creatures. Uh, penguins are all right. That's about it. <laughs> if they fly, I'm out. Ostrich, not a fan of What about chickens? Though. Fuck no. They're delicious. <laughs> yeah. But I, I swear to God, like, I, I can't stand. What the fuck's up with this kid? I can't stand. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of deep-seated issues. You know, yeah, as a musician, you, you've you never been able to, like, enjoy the bird songs in the morning? That's oh, my, that's right. You don't like psychedelics. That's, that's right. my that's right. least favorite part. Curly hates about everything birds. about, about they just scream. outside. You know what's so funny about birds, too? Everyone's like, it's so beautiful. But all they're just, like, in their language, it's just like, you want to fuck? You want to fuck? That's yeah, all they're saying. That's all it means. Yeah. That's all it means. Well, yeah, I, I, I will back you up on that because we did have a um, – we had an owl, or sometimes you know we still do sometimes. Owls we have a big dumb, ass tree actually. in my yard, and um, yeah, you'll so hear the scary. owl hoot and stuff. Have you ever heard the owl's mating calls? No. Holy shit! I had never heard a fucking bird noise like that before. It, I can't. It sound even, like a child I dying. No, no, it was. <laughs> not like a child dying. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it was. Uh, I can't describe it. I can't make the owl mating call. It was so fucking wild though. We were up late night at my house partying or something one time. I heard these crazy noises. I was like, that's a fucking owl, but I've never heard it like that before. That's pretty wild. Personally, I completely disagree with Billy. Um, Birds are fucking awesome unless they shit on you. Then they're that's shitty that birds. That happens, yeah. That anyway. Happens. Swoop down well, to the yeah, beach and grab your yeah. food. I've got a million things I hate. All right, well, birds. I like my birds in Atlanta. Sometimes they make pretty little songs. I listen to them no. and stuff like that. I can get yeah. behind birds. Yeah, yeah I'm into birds. Yeah. I can get behind birds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you like birds. dags. What's a dag? Dags. Like dags? You ever seen Snatch? Yeah. That's not. Yeah, apparently I haven't not. seen Snatch no, in a while. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Brad Pitt's the pike, and he's like, "Yeah, you like dags, dags." Oh, yeah, yeah. But da- right. go is, watch Snatch again. Does that Snatch mean birds? It is a good movie. Yeah. What? Uh, does that mean birds? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm changing. For I was like, what are you talking? What are we talking? About? Oh, like dogs. dogs. Oh, yeah. Dags. There we go. Yeah, oh, that's the dags. joke. The guy, I, I the other it. two guys didn't get it. He's like, dags, dags. It's like, yeah, you like dags. Yeah, I see. Okay. <laughs> he threw some dogs into their whatever deal they were doing yeah, for the character. No, I love, I, I do love dogs, I for the most part. What else don't I like? Eggs. Ooh. They're fucking gross. No, they're not. Scramble, cheese, whatever. I don't know. It's a texture thing. I, I know, feel you. Not a, I love eggs, but I, know, I understand the texture fan. argument. They, isn't that weird? There's certain things that I like. You know, I've gotten older. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I keep going back to try eggs. And every time I take a big old bite of fucking scrambled eggs, unless they're in my fried rice, I can deal with them then. And I'm like, I just gag every time. It's gross. That's, that's my issue with avocados, right? See, is, is yeah. Avocados taste fine, but the texture, bro, you, I don't like that fucking gooey shit. You should let me make you a, a goop sandwich. It's a fried egg, a slice of avocado on a bagel. <laughs> nope. With I'm some good, cheese. Bro. It's so delicious. I'm fucking good. <laughs> All right. So Sorry, I mic drop on that. That was disgusting. <laughs> so, fucking. It's so good. I call it goop sandwich. That's gross. Sure you do. It's delicious. All right. So my last unpopular opinion is 
Uh, that list of cities I mentioned will probably change over time, and that's okay because opinions change. You're a yeah, I mean, yeah, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them, and no one likes them. They yeah. all stink. Yeah. Wait, so you're, 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 on, you're on a your last unpopular opinion is that opinions change. Yeah, that's, that's very unpopular yeah, that's, for people. Well, good night, everybody. Yeah, good night. Real fucking uh, Again, <laughs> that's why we're all staying at the bottom, bottom of the bill. bill. <laughs> uh, thanks, you guys, so much for tuning in. Uh, thank you, Anton yeah, and Billy, for you wanna, having me. You wanna, yeah, of course, you man. You want to send us out and say goodbye to the, the, the folks? Oh, absolutely. Uh, what am I doing? Say just, just say goodbye to them, I guess. Oh. I've never done this before. You beautiful folks at home, <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in and watching. I'm Dave McSweeney. It's Anton LaPlume. Billy Bagley. Bottom of the bill, we're out. Adios, muchachos. Love it. <laughs>